0: This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. And God bless and enjoy this message. Let's dive into this word today. I'd like to pray, and I want you to pray for me. This is a message I taught on just a couple weeks ago. In your bulletin is some, is a place where you can take some notes if you We're going to try to start doing those types of things To maybe help um, With the sermons on Sunday But So if you would like that It is there for you to use Um, This message I did Like I said a couple of Wednesdays ago And I felt it's needed It's a needed message today It's not an easy message As a matter of fact if I'm quite honest with you It's a hard message to preach Um, And it's even harder to apply And I want to teach a little bit today on why some change is necessary. You know, it's never easy to hear a message and think that this applies to me. But when we look in the mirror and apply the message that has been given, I I believe it's going to help us into the long room. And I've learned, I've thought a lot lately about what makes a church successful and what makes a church grow and what makes a church thrive. And even though I love the music and the lights and I love all these things, can I tell you that Those things alone don't bring in the glory of God. Prayer, worship, application of his word. Those are the things that brings in the glory. Those are the things we want. You know, we've got to, to know the difference between what we want to do and what we ought to do. It's real easy to tell somebody what you think they should do, but it takes real courage to tell somebody what we ought to do. And that's based on, the word of God. So what I want you to do, I want to um, preach about a topic today on the sons of Issachar. And they're found a couple of times throughout the Bible, but I believe that they can teach us a lot about the church today and, and about how we can apply these truths to see what I believe God wants to do in this place. Can, can you pray with me today and ask that the Lord be with me? God, I thank you. God, I praise you for this moment today. God, I thank you for this time here in your word. God, we were just asking you to be with us today to teach us. God, to teach us today, to allow us to learn. God, to open up our minds to know, our ears to hear, our eyes to see the truth of your word today. God, you know more than anybody else that I, I cannot do this on my own. So God, I need the Holy Spirit working through me today. God, forgive me, purify me if there's anything in my life that, that you're not pleased of, God, so, so that I can deliver this message Uh, And so people will not hear me speak, but God, but that they hear you speak through me and that there may be transformation take place in the lives of everybody here, including myself. So, God, I pray right now that you'd use me, that you'd be with me for this time, for this hour, for this place. And everybody said amen and amen. If you open up your Bibles to the book of First Chronicles, we're going to look at chapter 12, verse number 13. There's going to be quite a few scriptures in this message. This isn't a typical shout the aisles message, but it's more of a teaching message. So a little bit out of my comfort zone today. So y'all will have to bear with me. But 1 Chronicles chapter 12, here's what it says. It says, from Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. 200 chiefs with all their relatives under their command. How many of you know that it's good to know the times? It's good to know the culture. It's good to know what's outside the walls of the church so that we know how to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many of you know that the gospel never changes? Amen. For over 2,000 years the gospel has remained the same. Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus rose to forgive you and me. That will never change the message. Never Does But sometimes how we apply the message and how we uh, show the message might alter from time to time As long as the message never changes And after reading this verse it's obvious to me that there's a gem within this passage that we all need to see The Bible describes the men of the tribe of Issachar as having the gift of understanding the times Or it means that they understood the culture They understand that the message of the gospel has to go out in such a way that the people understand it and that they can bring it in and how amazing these men were it's 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 as if God gave them this special insight of what they should do and i want you to understand again this morning it doesn't take courage to tell somebody what they want most people know what they want But it takes courage to look into the Word of God and to apply the Scriptures to my own life so that I can say this as a church is what we ought to do so that we can take in all the glory that God has for us to to have this morning. There was a pastor by the name of Charles Spurgeon. Went to Parker Street, London at the age of 19 years old. The church ran about 200 but seated 1,500 people. Now, 200's, you know, a good number. It's a good church. But could you imagine being in a sanctuary that size with only 200 people? It would look quite small. Nine years later, Metropolitan Tabernacle was built to accommodate the crowds which came to hear him preach. Now, I need you to hear, hear, hear this. He preached for um, 38 years as their pastor. 38 years. He had 6,000 worshipers, not members. 6,000 worshipers. Seth, could you imagine a praise team of 6,000 people? He's over here like, I don't know what I'd do with that many people. 14,000 members. 14,000 members. But in less than one century later, some pastors from around the world came and they counted only 87. And they began to do some research about why the church had started at 200 Reached to 14,000 And then saw the church over the years dwindle down to almost nothing And here's what they said It was, it was done to, to and it determined that London changed People changed But the church's approach to ministry never changed They did not understand the times They didn't understand the culture and so people began to leave. And so there were these pastors that went to a conference and and they began to share some insight regarding their own church after hearing a story like this. And some pastors, these are real things. They said things like, people are coming and going in my community so fast that I feel like I'm preaching to a parade. Meaning that there's people in and out so much that there's not enough time to really... Build the relationship that you need with those people. There's some that said I'm faced with a divorce, with a blended homes, emotional abuse. Seminary did not prepare me for this. How can I meet people's needs when I don't even understand them? We say we've got the answer, but they're not even asking the questions I seem to be able to touch people's heads, but not their hearts And so we have pastors that are frustrated because they're not seeing what they feel like God wants to do in their church And what I believe it is that we can learn from the sons of Issachar today And know that in order to have what God wants us to have, we must know the time We must know the the era in which we live, we must know the culture we live in changing times today. We, we've gone from an agricultural age to a working class age to so now we're in the information age. Knowledge doubles every four years and it says that more information has been produced in the last 30 years than in the last 2,000 years combined. Can you believe that? Information is changing at a drastic rate and it was Daniel that even prophesied that we would be, that in the last days, knowledge would increase. And I believe that we're living in those days today. So, we're in this information age where everybody just wants to know, they want to understand the times. So if we go back to our original passage and read this again, just so we have a context of where we are today, from Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Knowing what to do can give a person the edge. Not knowing what to do can get you in a mess. Every age has its unique challenges and those who understand the times tend to lead that way. There's an interesting example that this passage is talking about and we're going to learn about that today because circumstances were changing as David was about to be crowned the king of Israel. Saul was dead, and the Benjamites had other ideas of who the successor should be. But the other tribes wanted David as their king, so here's what they did. They They met in Hebron to turn the kingdom of Saul over to David. It was a tense time in Israel. And there was a need for great wisdom to discern those times. Israel was in a mess, and they needed change to take place, but they didn't know what to do. They didn't know who to appoint. They wanted somebody else. But then here comes David. And the sons of Issachar stepped up knowing what needed to be done and how to do it. Why? Because again, they understood the times. They knew the culture. They knew what was outside the walls of their place. And, 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 and they knew what needed to be done and we're not afraid to do what it took. But before we get into the sons of Issachar today We need to understand a little bit of who David was Because we need to know this type of leader That the sons of Issachar Were wanting to become the king of Israel And see in our passage today David is on the run from King Saul While he's hiding That's when God sent these men to him Who are described in the Bible as mighty men of valor The first group was skilled with the bow and arrow and sling Others were skilled with the use of shield and sword But there was a third group who just understood the times They were people that knew how to plan things out They knew what everybody needed And see what we find is that Saul was hunting David down Why? He wanted to kill him Because God had anointed David the next king of Israel And it was in his place See, there's some attributes here that I want us to talk about that both um, Jesus and David um, have. and Because remember, David was a man after God's own heart. What did they have that was a lot alike? Number one, he was a divine leader. David did not take it upon himself to be the king of Israel. He was anointed by God through Samuel. Therefore, people listened in what we refer to as the David covenant, God made promise, that God made promises to David concerning the throne. You see, David is a type of the sovereign Christ who will rule and reign on this earth on the throne of David. He's today's leader and the one who holds this earth together. Colossians chapter 1 even says about Christ that he is before all things and by him all things exist. He is a divine leader. But what else is he? He's also a drawing personality. There's a certain characteristic that David had called charisma that is present in most in most successful people. It's a characteristic that's hard to define, but it's impossible to overlook. It's a charm, an appealing magnet, which makes those who, who have it seem larger than life. The great coaches have it. The great leaders have it. But the ultimate possessor of charisma was Jesus Christ himself. Listen to what he said in John. He said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. He had this thing about him where every room that he walked in, people flocked to where he was. Every time he sat down to tell a message or a story. People flocked. As a matter of fact, there's stories within the Bible when Jesus would do a miracle and he would tell them, Don't share this with anybody. Well, in one case, he couldn't hold it in anymore and he had to go tell somebody about what Jesus had done for him. So from that day on, every time Jesus walked into the streets, he was flocked with people. Because he had that extra trait about him That people just wanted to be around him Charisma David had it too But what else? They both lived in a world That just despised them A despising world Someone once said When you're a winner people will hate you It's true in sports Teams with tradition Have just as many people against them As they do for them Look I'm going to say this. My wife's not in here. She's teaching kids' church, so I can say this. She is a She is an Alabama Crimson Tide fan. And we all said, boo, right? We don't like them. I don't like them, right? Why do I not like them? Because they win too much. They always win. They win championships. They beat Tennessee in the SEC tournament last week in women's softball and Bama won the SEC championship, like three, four, Coming, I mean, come on. How many times do you have to win, right? You have to lose some, unless you're Oklahoma, right? And then you can win all the time. But Alabama wins too much. So whenever I watch him on TV and Megan's cheering and she's rooting, I'm in the background kind of quietly cheering because I don't want her to be mad at me. But inside, I'm like, man, I wish they'd just lose a game or two. Jesus was the same way. The perfect, sinless sacrifice. Came into this world, nothing wrong, didn't mess with anybody, just help people, that's all he did. Yet there were still people who despised him. There were still people that spat upon him and that crucified him. And we've told the story about them cheering Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And it was the same people just a couple days later that was shouting crucify him. He lived in a place where all he did was good. All he did was one. But yet there were still people that despised who he was. And then David, if if we're to correlate to his life, David He he was on the run for his life, all because he was anointed the next king of Israel. He lived in a despised world. But then they both have this decorated conclusion. David, the anointed of God, proved himself in the time of Saul's persecution. God's hand was on him throughout his life, even in his moral um, affairs. failures likewise Christ proved himself on the cross he had the power to call down angels if he so chose to he had the power to speak the words and it to be over but he knew that his place was to come and to sacrifice himself for the lives of many and all of that so that you and I could have salvation in Jesus Christ aren't we thankful for that today thankful for that opportunity to call him savior to call him lord to call him friend David and Jesus were a lot alike in those ways but so now that we know David we know the type of man that the sons of Issachar wanted to get into the king of it to be the king of Israel so what's the bible say about them we're introduced to the sons of Issachar very early in the bible it says then Leah said God has rewarded me for giving my servant to my husband, so she named him Issachar. He was the ninth son of Jacob. The word understanding understood the times, right? In the, in, 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 in the, early, in, in the earlier passage, it means to have insight or to act with prudence. The sons of Issachar analyzed the time And they perceived correctly what those times were all about They knew what to do because they understood what was happening It was obvious to them that Saul had not been a good king And there were some things that needed to be changed and, and that the tribe of, ben, of, 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 um, of Benjamin needed to, to um, go on. So they needed a ruler. They needed a king. And then David emerged as a real leader by virtue of his character and his ability. He was the type of king that Israel needed during those times. The sons of Issachar knew exactly what to do. So they said all the tribes have to get together. We're going down to, he, to he, 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 Hebron. And we're going to anoint this guy and crown him as king. You see, every generation needs people who can understand the time. Every generation needs a people who knows what to do when the time comes so that the church of Jesus Christ is not lessened, but that it is progressed towards that grateful day when Jesus comes back to take us home. We've got to know what to do. So it takes somebody who understands what's going on, that understands culture, that can ask the things like, um, um, where is the culture going? Why do people think the way that they do? What are the real needs of these people? How can we adjust our methods without compromising the Gospels? So what do these sons do, and who are they, and what can we learn from them? The first thing we can learn from the sons of Issachar is that they were strong. They were a burden bearer. They were men of might, men of war fit for battle. They could handle the shield and sword, but they could also lay out the game plan, a plan of what needed to be done. And interestingly enough, the Bible refers to them as a donkey. Now, I don't know that you'd ever want to be called a donkey in your lifetime, but the sons of Issachar were referred to as as um, as, as the donkey. Watch what the word says. Issachar is a raw-boned donkey lying down among the sheep pens. When he sees how good is his resting place and how pleasant is his land, he will bend his shoulder to the burden and submit. Watch. He'll do whatever it takes. If it needs to be done, I'm willing to do it. If I see it, it may look hard, it may look tough, but Issachar will make sure that the job gets done. Where else do we hear about a um, a donkey? Samson used the jawbone of one. Watch what this says. A fresh jawbone of a donkey. What did he do? He grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said with a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. Amen. Amen. With the donkey's jawbone, I have killed 1,000 men. The donkey was where Abraham prepared to sacrifice his son Isaac. It says in 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 his word, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. The donkey was a part of the pilgrimage when when, um, the brothers of Joseph were in need and they went to Egypt to get the food. They rode a donkey and it was a lowly donkey that had the greatest privilege of all to bear the Son of God on his back in Luke chapter 1. Notice, in all, these, um, in all of these instances, the donkey was used as a burden bearer. The tribe of Issachar was known for their ability and readiness to work hard even under the conditions. Like them, what must we do today, church? We must be ready to work hard to see the kingdom of God advance. We must be willing to do whatever needs to be done to see the kingdom. You see, I started out washing church vans. I didn't start out as a kids pastor or a youth pastor. My dad gave me my first job at the Locksley Church of God, washing and putting gas in the church vans. That's all I did. He didn't give me any other job. I cleaned the restrooms, I cleaned the church, I I washed the church vans. And years of doing that led to being a youth praise and worship leader. leader, leader, And then helping in kids' church. And then I helped with the adults. And then I helped with the kids again. Then I became a youth pastor. Now a pastor of a church. You see, because it wasn't about the title. It it was about picking up the towel and doing whatever needed to be done in the moment to, to see the church advance. That's what these men were. The sons of Issachar were willing to do whatever needed to be done. They put down the title and they grabbed the towel and they said, I will go. Who else were these men? They were soldiers able to go to war. Numbers chapter 1 from the descendants of Issachar. All the men 20 years old or more were able to serve in the army were listed by name according to the records of their clans. Listen, a good soldier, what does he do? He will endure hardness. The Bible says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Soldiers suffer for the cause of Jesus Christ. The tribe of Issachar was known for being soldiers and how can we be that we go to war every single day but it's not the type of war that you might think that we see on news we go to war in our prayer room we go to war in our worship we go to war in our private life where, where we say, God, I'm going to stand my ground today. I know that my brothers and sisters in Christ are going through tough times. So today I'm locking myself in this room and I'm going to battle. I'm going to prayer right now, God, so that my friends, so that my church, so that this nation can get God back in their lives. Listen, this nation is where it is today because it's taken God out. In every instance, in every instance, Jesus has been taken out. What should we do just like the sons of Issachar? We should be warriors. We should be going to prayer saying, God, I'm ready to go to battle. Who else were they? They were valiant men. They were steadfast. The Bible says that the relatives who were men belonging to the clans of Issachar is listed. Watch, valiant men are those that go beyond the ordinary. Valiant men are not self-serving. Valiant men are not okay with just the status quo, just being okay. They go out of their way to do what they ought to do. Remember, not just what they want, but what they should do. And they're not okay with casual Christianity. They're, they they understand that the next word That they're called to be set apart They are separated Because if I'm not supposed to have a casual Christian walk Then what I'm what am I supposed to be? Well the Bible says I'm called to be different The Bible says I'm called to be set apart The Bible says I'm not called to look like the world But to look opposite of the world So that whenever somebody sees me And they see my character And they see how I dress and then, then then they see what I do then they know that there's something else about me that Jesus must be living in him and I've got to have some of that because my life is in turmoil my life is in a mess and just being set apart just being separated like these men were just showed them that hey I've got to have what they have the sons of Issachar were like that listen these men pledged their allegiance to David and consequently, given up their will to work for their king. It was their duty and their choice. They chose to be set apart. What else were the sons of Issachar? They were serious about their job. They knew there was no time to play games. This wasn't a job for just anyone. Their lives and the life of David depended on them. They were prepared mentally. In every aspect of life, they were ready. They had to cross a swollen river to join David. If I see a river that's higher than what it should be, I'm probably not crossing it. But these men knew that in order to get to that place that God has called me to be, if it takes crossing a swollen river, if it takes going somewhere, I know that I'm serious about my job. I'm serious about my God. I know that it's not time to play games. So there's my river. Here's point A. There's point B. I've got to go because my duty is to my King David and to Jesus Christ. Whatever needs to be done, do it. What else were they? They were satisfied with their role. They were content with their role. In our day, it's hard to understand sometimes how men could be satisfied in the role that these men undertook. David was the man that got all of the attention. King David this, King David that. No, you don't see the sons of Issachar a lot within, this, with, within the word of God. But guess what? They were okay with it because they were content with the role that God gave them. They knew that their role was not to be king. They knew that their role wasn't to be up on stage or to be in a band. They knew what their role was, and, and they served it with all the strength that they had. And in the end they were honored because look, who was it that kept David safe? The sons of Issachar did. What else were they? They were sensible. They understood the times. These are the numbers of the men armed for battle who come to David at Hebron. To turn Saul's kingdom over to him as the Lord had said. It also says about 11 verses later from our original passage. They understood the times. They understood the times in which they lived. If we don't understand our culture and its pressures, we become a slave to it. They understood the scripture because in order to understand the times in which you live, you have to be able to tell the difference between truth and tradition. They knew what the scriptures wanted for Israel. If we don't know the Bible, then how can we know God's will for our life? If we don't know the Bible, you see too many times we read this when we have to. Well, I'm feeling anxious, so let me just look in the back. There's this really neat thing in the back of the Bible where you can look it up by word. And I look up the word anxious. Oh, there's 17 passages here that I could read about being anxious. Why not we just know them up front so that when those times come, we already know the Word of God to speak against it? Why do we wait until we need it the most before we read the Word of God? These men understood the Scripture. They understood what needed to be done, what needed to be said. So whenever a situation arose, they were not scared by it. They did not have any fear. Why? Because they knew what to do. Amen. They understood what to do. The men of Issachar not only understood what God was doing, but they knew how to respond to what God was doing. They had a plan. See, we can understand the times and even understand what the Bible says, but it means nothing unless we can act upon that information. It takes an ability to respond and apply the truth if you come. See, I've learned over the last, I've been in ministry now for, Lord, 14 years. I've learned that application is everything. What does James say? To not just be hearers of his word, but to be be doers of his word. It's not enough to just read the pages of this Bible. That's good. It's a good start. But it's not the end. We must apply it to our life. So what's all this mean? The Christian life is no game. It's life and death every single day. Trying to get people out of hell and into the hands of God. We are Christ' mighty men. We are his sons of Issachar. And we've been placed to be a part of the kingdom, an active hand in what he's asking us to do. Look, every single day counts. We have today, which is the most important day of your life. Why? Because today is the tomorrow you dreamed of yesterday. Look at yesterday. Learn how yesterday helped you to live now. Yesterday was the school that prepared you to live today. If you didn't learn yesterday's lessons, decide in your heart today to learn them. Learn the urgency of today. While dreams of tomorrow give us strength and the lessons of yesterday give us learning, today is all we have because tomorrow's not promised. Today is the day that counts today we must be the sons of Issachar today we must be all that God's asked us to be today we have to ask the questions where is culture going are we reaching our culture without looking like the culture we're called to be different we're called to be set apart yet to still love those that don't look like us are we doing our part to make sure that everybody's welcome why do people think the way that they do because TV and media has corrupted the way that people think I know I'm live streamed today, but it doesn't bother me one bit. The media has messed up the way that people think. Sometimes what's best for you and I is to turn the TV off and open up the Bible to not listen to what the world says should be done, but rather to open up the scriptures to see what God said should be done. We must be the example that the world needs because when Jesus comes back, I shared Wednesday night that I saw this picture of a little boy behind a door and Jesus was just a knocking but the little boy wasn't opening up the door he wasn't accepting Christ into his heart the next picture showed the trumpet sounding and all of of God's people his chosen men going to heaven and the third picture was of this little boy knocking yet there was nobody else on the other side willing to open because the time had come to pass can I tell you We should not be living our life with the mindset of, I've still got tomorrow. The sons of Issachar knew what needed to be done today. So they didn't wait till tomorrow. They did it today. So that if tomorrow came, they were ready and prepared. But if tomorrow never came, their heart was ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. The Bible says to make heart, to make ready your heart. Because the kingdom is drawing near. Bible says to awake from your slumber because the time of Jesus Christ is closer today than it's ever been. Are we waking up when the alarm clock is going off or do we continue to hit snooze and go back to sleep? Can I tell you there's a lot of people in this world today that have hit snooze over and over and over and it's time to unplug the alarm clock and wake up and do what God's called us to do. What are the real needs of our community? Are we meeting them? South OKC, Yukon, where you live, are we meeting those needs? Do we even know what those needs are? And how can we adjust our strategy without compromising the word? Listen, I know this isn't an altar call type message, and I'm closing this out, but it is one that causes us to reflect And apply. What's my prayer? My prayer is very simple. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Let's mend relationships. Let's make new ones. Let's share Jesus and be a part of his plan. Let's be strong and work hard for Him. Let's be soldiers in our prayer and worship. Let's be steadfast, going beyond the ordinary. Let us be separated, set apart, called to be different. Let us be serious about this real life, real people, real job. Let us be satisfied with the role that God has given us. And let us be sensible so that we know the culture. We know the times in which we live. And so what I want us to do today is I want us to pray for just a couple minutes about those things to see if maybe we can apply those to our life and our church so that we can see the community that surrounds us saved for Jesus Christ. Because I'm not okay with being just mediocre. I'm not okay with just being average. And I'm tired of people dying and going to hell. So it's the church's job to stand up, not tomorrow, but rather today, so that we can see the kingdom of God be all that it's